Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. I'm concluding this series with something I believe is incredibly important for us as a community because God calls us to, to not just be and, and, and exist. He calls us to help others around us in our family, in our, in our community. And so because of um, a lot of things that are happening in our world, because of the, the kind of breakdown of marriage and the breakdown of, of, of that commitment and the understanding of how do you choose a spouse and what's the biblical way. Listen, the world has all types of, of, of ways that you can choose a spouse. You can go to the uh, Cosmopolitan magazine and you can, you can read about how you, how you choose someone that's really special or how do you choose the person you're going to marry and and let me just tell you I'm sure there's some good advice but uh, the Bible has the best advice on how you can choose the person you're going to be married to so you might be thinking well why are we talking about this today because I'm already married here's the deal these we're all going to be challenged today in areas of our own lives we need to work at but also we're going to be challenged because you parents have the responsibility to help shape your children to find the spouse that God has for them and so so do not neglect that responsibility. Listen, there, there's, you know, there's the old country song, you know, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Mama, don't let your babies grow up and marry a jerk, okay? Don't do that. <laughs> amen. Everybody say amen to that. <laughs> because we have a responsibility to make sure you make informed decisions about who you're going to marry. For we, we in this family, with our youth ministry, with our children's ministry, marrying, it's the second most important decision you'll ever make. And so the, the question is, okay, then what information do I, do I base my, my decisions off of? Because I, I would tell you this, we will spend more time researching a restaurant to go out to eat on Friday night than we will actually articulating the type of person we want to marry. And you're quiet because you know it's true. <laughs> I mean, we will spend, you'll look at um, neighborhoods and where you want to live. And you will research a car for months before you'll buy the stinking car. But when it comes to relationships, you're like, okay, I'm in love. That's cool. With zero research, with what type of person do I want to be with? Now, grandparents, this message is for you as well because you can help your grandchildren make decisions. You can say things to the grandkids that's, that will be received that parents can't say. So let me empower you. Come on, let's make a commitment as a church that we're going to help our young people. We're going to help those who are single, help them make decisions to make the step forward to marry the right person. And us, for us as married ones, after this message, we're going to make the decision. We're going to get better at what we're doing, okay? So I want to talk to you today about, first, false beliefs about marriage because this is very, very important. There are some false beliefs. And if you believe something false about marriage, it's going to set you up for disappointment and frustration. And so I just want to kind of debunk these before we get into the real message. The first false belief about marriage that I want you to hear today is, number one, this is the first false belief, that it is God's will for everyone to be married. Say false. false. It's not God's will for everyone to be married. He didn't create everyone to be married. Scripture is actually clear on this whole issue is that, that marriage is a gift. Marriage is something that's given by God. But, but not everyone is called to be 
married. And that's okay. So I want you to read what, what Paul wrote about marriage. And, and just to, to, to help us see the scriptural basis of this, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 7. He says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please him. But a married man has to think about earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Both have their same, they still have responsibilities. Speaking of, of the married man, his, his interests are divided because he's married and he has a family and kids. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married, or, and this is speaking of one who has um, their, their spouse has died or has never been married, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I just basically, this is what Paul said. I just want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. So it is not God's will that every person be married. And that's very important for us to understand that in the context of our family and our community. Another false belief about marriage is number two, that there is only one perfect person for me in all of the universe. And if I don't find them, I'm just out of luck. That's, say false. False. Now, some of you are like, I don't know if I should say false because I've heard my whole, my whole life. You just got to find that one person. Find that one person. Let, let me explain something for you. So let's just say there's... This is, let's just say I'm here. This is me. And, and someone else is over there. And they're the one person. But we're growing up and, you know, we're just doing life and we're both. And then all of a sudden that one person makes a wrong decision and marries not me, someone else. Well, then my whole life is just gone. Everything, generations and children and grandchildren and all, God's whole plan has been thwarted because you chose the wrong person. It doesn't make sense, does it? And so here's, you need to understand that's a false belief. It's very romantic, but it's not biblical. It's not true. And it's not even, it's not, it's not even it, it is biblical, but it's also, it's not logical at all. Because if there is only right, one right person in the world, again, this could have, it would be a chain, uh, a, a, it would just have this major effect and just ruin everyone's life for generations to come. But here's the other problem if you actually believe that. You get married and things aren't going the way that you thought that they would go. And all of a sudden you realize there is some friction in this marriage. Anyone ever had friction in a marriage? Just raise your hand, just want to make sure. Okay, all right, good, all right, all right. And those who are married and didn't raise your hand, you are lying in church. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> get back. Lightning's good. I'm just kidding. So, when, so all of a sudden when things get tough and you actually got to deal with things in your own life, you got to deal with real, the reality that you're broken. You got to deal with all this kind of stuff. You're like, you know what? I, I know what it is. Things are tough here because I didn't marry the right person. I didn't marry the one. I made the mistake. And so, and then I need to get a divorce so that I can go find the, the right one, the, the, the one that the light from heaven has shown on that I must have not seen. And what happens is we use that to justify our horrible, horrible decisions. Now remember this. Well, then how do you know that you're married to the right person? This is, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is how you find out if you're married to the right person. Look at your marriage license and read the names at the bottom. Whosoever's name is there, that's the right person for you. That's it. No brainer. 
That's good. That's good. But if before you get married, it's important to understand that there may be multiple people that you can marry. There could be that God would be like, you know what? Great person. Thumbs up. Go for it. If that's what you want, you could go for that. And you could pray about it. God can give you peace and God can confirm it with your family. And all, great, great job. Now, there are some people that God's going to say, what are you thinking? No, no. And your parents will be like, no, listen to them, okay? The Bible doesn't say that there's one, only one person in the whole world that if, if you don't find them, you, you've missed God's will. Again, this is to equip us as a community. Parents, grandparents, young people, singles. This is to equip us so that we can move forward together and be challenged today. A third false belief about marriage is, is this one. Love is the only reason to get married. You don't need anything else. All you need is love, love. False! Now, love is important, but it's not the only reason. Listen, I, I, you, can, you hear it all the time. There are people, they don't even have the same values. They don't even have the same upbringing. They, they don't even, you know, there's like zero things in common. They have different directions of where they want to go in life. And it just, you're like, no, nah, it just doesn't fit. And, and they're like, yes, but when I'm around them, I, I, I see stars. I, I can't breathe. And I, I get my, the, my rights of my body gets numb when I'm around them. I, I, but, here, but here's the reality. You can get the same feeling if a donkey kicks you in the head and it doesn't mean it's love. <laughs> doesn't mean it's love. But I'm in love. Oh, so what? Because I'll tell you this, the right environment, the right setting with the right weather, the right time of year, the right restaurant with the right lighting. Listen, you can fall in love with anybody, Okay. Here's the deal. Love is a choice. That's what makes it powerful. When you say, I choose to love you, my choice, I choose you. I choose to pour my affection on you. If you base it all off of a feeling, what happens when the feeling runs out? Well, it's gone now. I guess I'll go love somebody else. No, 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 no. Love is a choice. It's powerful. And that's what gives security, and that's what gives healthiness in a marriage when you choose to love each other. I mean, think about this. Again, you can fall, uh, the right environment, we, we have a show that, that, not that we watch, but we in America have a show um, that's called The Bachelor. Don't raise your hand and don't hoot over The Bachelor. <laughs> they have the perfect setting, right? Perfect dinners, perfect locations. No responsibility. And they start to feel emotions towards this one guy. And they start to fall in love. Now, put this in a real world situation. Who in their right mind would date a guy who's making out with 10 other women at the same time? Say amen to that. Crazy. And they're like, I'm in love with him. I'm in love with him. And this other woman, I'm in love with him too. And then this one, I'm in love with him too. And I'm in love with him. No, you're not. You're not. You're on a TV show. And God, you know, God will give you peace 
who to marry. But he won't tell you, you have to marry this person. He, but he does give us a description of the kind of person that he desires us as followers of his son and lovers of him. He gives it a description on who to marry. So if you want God's blessing, and I know we do, if you want God's protection on your, on your kids' marriages and, and on, even on your marriage, if you want a successful marriage, which we all do, then let's listen to what God says about who to marry. And if we are married, who we are to be in this marriage. So we have enough demonstrating to us what, a, what relationships not based on the word of God, what they turn out to be. So it's time for us to look at the word of God then position our life to follow that. So I'm going to give you some biblical must-haves on founding, finding a spouse for all of us together, all of us. So again, this is for parents, grandparents, our young adults, our teenagers, our children's, our children ministry, everything. This is for all of us today to help our community take a step forward. So first I want to look at the necessities needed in your future spouse. Necessities needed. Now, not only is this necessity needed in the person or an individual that you should marry, this is necessity is needed in your own life that maybe you need to cultivate as well. So number one, they need to have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, period. If they don't have this, it doesn't go anywhere, nor should it. The individual needs to be more in love with Jesus than they are in love with you. Very important. They're more concerned about pleasing God than they are pleasing you. And if you find that one, you hang on to them. It's very, very important. If you are not, if you step into a, a relationship, if you're not spiritually equal, if you're not spiritually on the same page with your spouse, it's, you're never going to enjoy the full benefit of marriage where physical intimacy and, and whole emotional intimacy and, and all this sexual unity, you're never going to enjoy it if you're not on the same spiritual level the way that God wants you to be. This is a num the number one area of your life. It should be this relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God, it should, it should be everything to us. You should see that in the person that, uh, that, that you would want to marry. You, our spouses should see that in one another. Wives should be able to see that in their husband. Husbands should be able to see that in their wives. That, that Jesus, you are number one in my life. If you want to raise a healthy family, put Jesus first. You will raise a healthy family. I promise you. If you want God's protection, if you want God's blessing, then God has to be the center. Listen, it takes more than a man and, and a woman in marriage to make a solid marriage. We need the one who created marriage. We need the one who, who shaped it. Listen, the family's God's idea. Listen, children are God's idea. And so if, you're, if you are called to be married and you step into marriage, God must be the center. Because he, here's the other reality. A lot of people, get, they get married to people who are spiritually at a different level. And they struggle their whole life. First Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 6 says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. This is speaking about marriage. Don't marry an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? In other words, it's, it's going to be so difficult. Now, if you're married to an unbeliever, there's a, a, another scripture that says you serve your spouse. You love them. You serve them so that they could see Christ in you and they would give their lives over to the Jesus that you serve. That's what scripture says. 
You are faithful if you're in marriage. But if you're not married and they're not saved, stop. So you think, okay, all right then. Then I won't marry them. I'll just date unbelievers. That's what I'll do. Listen, please listen to me. Don't. Remember this, every date is a potential mate. You are, you are dating or you are courting or whatever you want to call it to make us feel better about what we're doing. Whatever you want to say is do not do it. Do not date. Do not build romantic relationships with unbelievers. Why? Because remember, you can fall in love with anybody given the right setting, the right scenario. And if you're not disciplined, you will think your emotions trump reason. And you'll get into a relationship that you will regret, and then the Lord can come in and help you if that's the case. But the reality is this. Don't date unbelievers. If you want God's best, I'm telling you right now because I love you. If you want your children to have God's best, if you, if you want your grandchildren to have God's best, do not compromise. So they come home and, but mom, I'm in love with Johnny. Well, we're, we're, is Johnny a Christian? No. Listen, there's no such thing as missionary dating. Do not, do not even think that that's going to. I feel called to the mission field. His name, her name is, is, uh, is Desiree. No. No. Be a person of discipline. Do not marry someone that's not committed to Jesus Christ. Number two, the necessities that you can have the same or desire the same things out of life. There have to be some common direction there. You can be different and opposites do attract and, and all of it, but there needs to be the some, the same direction. Scripture says this out of Amos 3.3, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And what's the answer to that? No, they can't. It's very difficult. It's very hard to be walking together and not know not have an agreement on where you're going together. So this obvious answer is no here. So you can't walk the way that I'm walking, nor can I walk the way you're walking if we haven't agreed on what direction we're walking. So how, that's going to that's going to that's going to do from have some very difficulties in your marriage and your relationship, how you raise your children, what how what about intimacy, all these type of things. You need to be moving in the right direction. So if you have two different desires about life, you're going to struggle in marriage. That's why you figure these things out before you get married. But if you are married, then you begin to walk them out and figure them out right now together. Take a step forward and have a healthier relationship. That's why we did this series. That's why I did this series because I really wanted us to thrive in our relationships. Just don't survive. Number three, one of the necessities is this. You need to have emotional stability. Everybody say amen to that one. You need to have emotional stability. Before you step into marriage, before you start having children, you need to have some emotional stability personally, and you need to marry someone who has emotional stability. And I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about what this means to have emotional stability because I believe it's one of the most overlooked areas in relationships. It's actually one of the least addressed areas in the local church as well. Because, I mean, people are, they, they're emotionally undisciplined. They're all over the place. Most of their emotions look like the acts of the flesh, which is anger and, and fear and strife. And, and that's the world they live in. And so we are emotionally undisciplined. And to be honest with you, as a nation, we're emotionally undisciplined. 
If we have a feeling that we act on it, there's no, actually I'm going to be mature and, uh, and I do have a concern so I'm going to wait about 10 seconds then I'm going to speak so I don't sabotage what my true desire is. That isn't much in our culture. So I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about being perfect in your emotions because all of us are broken. All of us have things in us that we got to work through. All of us come with baggage. Whether you th- think you do or not, you got some baggage, I promise you. And so we're not, we're not perfect. And so to say, to say that, you know what, um, we got to be perfect emotionally before we can get married. Listen, that none of us would ever be married. But here's the reality. Everybody's broken, but some people are much more broken than others. And so as you see these things that I'm going to talk about, you need to avoid these type of people. No matter how good looking they are. No matter what good job they have, no matter if they're taking over their daddy's business, no matter if they're a doctor, if they're a lawyer, if there's a, they're a business owner, if there's a, listen, none of that matters if they are emotionally unstable or unstable. You need to avoid them. So before you go too far in a relationship, look and see if they have emotional health. So this is what. First, I want to look at, I want to look at some red flags that reveal unhealthy emotions in people. Now, some of us, we're going to identify ourselves. That's okay. Because we're going to say, oh, yes, that is me. Lord, I need you to work on that inside of me. Some of us are going to realize maybe you're, you're, you're either married to someone who struggles with that. But if you're engaged or dating someone who struggles with it, hit pause until these things can be sorted out. So the red flags, one, one red flag of emotional instability is this. They are easily angered and offended. Easily angered and offended. Hot-headed. If things don't go their way, they get all insecure and they act weird and they try to control everybody and everything and, and make sure everything's done exactly the way they want it to, do, to go. And if it doesn't go that way, then they get upset. And, and what you'll realize is they're totally insecure. They have a low self-worth. Look at this. Look at this um, scripture out of Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Listen, this is for, for, for us men. Listen, we are, we are physically stronger. There's, a, there's, a, there's something in us called testosterone that rises in certain occasions. But you are not a man if you cannot control your anger. You're an undisciplined child. I know that sounds very harsh. But it's time that the men that call themselves followers of Jesus do not use their anger as a way to manipulate or to control women or families or children. Amen. I hope, please hear my heart on that. Well, I'll say this. You can do better than that as men and leaders of your home. But a person that is easily angered and easily offended, it's a red flag that they're emotionally unstable. And so if you've got a guy who's filled with anger or or a woman who's filled with anger, when something doesn't doesn't go the way they want to or or they feel the slightest bit insecure, um, listen, this is what's going to happen. If they struggle with anger, it's going to come out. And it's going to try to control you so that it doesn't make them angry. And then you're going to spend the rest of your life always walking on eggshells. Because if you do the wrong, the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, go to the, uh, the wrong place, don't text back when they want you to text back. All of a sudden they get so freaked out and controlling. Here, here's my advice. If you're not married, run. 
Also, if you find yourself easily angered as well, easily offended, hit the pause button on your relationship and get some counseling. Ask the Lord to help you so that you can become emotional, emotionally healthy in your life. Number two, a red flag for emotionally unstable people is that they hold grudges. Listen, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're not, you're not married yet, or if you are married and you recognize, yeah, this is true, then today's the day to do something about it. If your boyfriend or your girlfriend is carrying resentment from a past or from a church or someone's hurt from somebody, is listen, I, I love you and I want us to thrive in our relationships. I, I'm, I'm really desiring to save you from pain. It doesn't matter if you both have great jobs, you're both good looking, you, you both, now you maybe got married and you have great kids and, and you got a good car and you're great, great family. Listen, if there is bitterness in the home, it's going to affect the whole family. It's the whole family. Bitterness is like a poison. It's unforgiveness. I, you know what? And, and it comes up all the time. Something happens and no, nobody, they can't move past it. That's called they struggle with bitterness. They can't let it go. They're always talking about it, always bringing something up. It's, bitterness, it's like a poison, though, because it eats you from the inside out. You think it gives you power because it helps you to control, but no, no, it's, it, it is poisoning you, and it's killing you. But remember this bitterness, and this is a saying that's been around a while, but bitterness, it's like drinking poison and then expecting the other person to die. Not going to happen. Remember, look at Hebrews 12, 15. This is what it says. Look after each other. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up in trouble. Grows up to trouble you. Corrupting. How how many is this going to corrupt? Many. So if it's a family, it's going to corrupt the family unless the Lord intervenes. So if you're dating a person and they have unforgiveness and bitterness and you marry them, I'm telling you, it will come out. Hit pause. And deal with this issue. Number three, which is a red flag of emotional instability, is this, addictions. If someone has a current addiction and you're thinking about marrying them, let me just, let me just tell you now, don't. Maybe help them get help. Maybe make a decision of, of what you're going to do with the relationship. The Bible says that we are not to be mastered by anything. By anything. So 1 Corinthians 6.12 says this, and this is Paul talking. He says, I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to do it. Proverbs 23.20-21 says this, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. So listen, if you want your children dressed in rags, then, then marry someone who struggles with addiction. Or you can hang on a minute. Know that I do love them, but my emotions are not going to trump reason and the word of God. So these are, these, are, these are difficult things to talk about. But I want you to be equipped so that we can actually thrive in our relationships here. But here's the other thing. There are a lot more ways of being of addiction. It doesn't have to be food or it doesn't have to be um, alcohol. It can be all kinds of painkillers. It could be shopping. It could be video games, it could be pornography, all types of things. And it's very important for us to understand so what's going on in the other individual's life so we don't come into a relationship, become one with them when they're carrying these addictions in their life. As your, as your friend and your pastor, don't marry someone that you know has an addiction. Because the Lord 
wants to help you. God has someone for you. Don't, yes, but, and that's what happens. People get desperate and they say, yes, but, I, uh, but if I don't marry, then there'll be no, listen, trust the word of God over your emotions. Number four, red flag of emotional instability is this, selfishness. A lot of times we will ignore selfishness. Well, it's just their personality. It's just, listen, here's the deal. The Bible is very clear, talks about the consequences of selfishness. There are actual consequences that if you live a selfish life, there's going to be consequences. If you're, if you're considering entering into a marriage with someone who is selfish, there will be consequences for you and your children. James 3.16 says this, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Selfishness is the, is the open door of the enemy into your life, into your family, and to your children. Very important. If you're dating someone, just look at the way they interact with you. Are they selfish? When you have a conversation with them, do they just talk about them the whole time? That means they like themselves a lot. And that's not going to be good in a relationship. Just listen to their words. Do they say, do they say I a lot? Or, or maybe when they, do, when they do show attention to you and it's about you, I want you to think for a moment, is this because we got in an argument before and they're trying to make it up to me? And now what they're trying to do is get me back on their side because it's still all about them? Be very careful. Listen, when, so, when someone talks a lot about themselves, at first you're like, oh, this is great. I get, I'm getting to know them. I, I love listening to them talk. And just let me tell you, after you get married, that's going to wear off. You want a healthy marriage? Then get rid of selfishness in your own life. If you, want to, if, you want a healthy, if you want to marry a healthy spouse, then get someone who's not selfish. And selfishness, it's a glaring sign of immaturity. Everything is about me. They use I all the time. The more unselfish that you are and the person you marry, the more healthy your relationship's going to be. So I want to look at, in closing, the signs of, em of emotional stability, because this is important. And I I'm hoping you save these notes. I'm hoping you, you, uh, you use them. I'm hoping you pull them out and say, man, I, yes, I'm married, and God, some of these areas I'm, I'm, I, I'm not functioning very well in. I, that's me. As I've been, you know what, I could be better here, and Lord, I need to be better here. It's not about me trying hard. It's just about me acknowledging, Lord, yeah, I've, I've kind of missed it in this area. Can you help me and give me the, the grace to walk through this? But I want you to keep this and help your children. And just keep, keep moving forward as, as, as a healthy family. So signs of emotional stability, three of them. The first one is kindness. You want a person that actually kindness flows naturally from them. There's a, there's a sense of, of, of inclusion. There's a sense of gentleness. There's a sense of peacefulness. It's, the, it's, it's kindness. Not someone who's hot-headed, not someone who's cranky all the time, not someone who, who looks angry all the time, not someone you're always trying to pump up and, and, and you know, i got to make sure they're happy. No, no, kindness should flow naturally from the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And also, kindness should be in your own life where it's manifested and demonstrated to other people around you. Amen? 
Proverbs eleven seventeen says this, those who are kind benefit themselves. So if you want God's blessing on your marriage, marry someone who's kind. If, you want, if you're married and you want God's blessing on your marriage now, then start being intentional about being kind, changing the way you see the world. Start serving people, which then leads us to our second one, which is a sign of emotional stability, is that the person has a, inside of them, they flow with generosity. They, they, are, they are generous. Let me tell you, if you're going to marry someone, I would ask them, hey, um, just ask them this question. Just deal with it. Hey, did you, did you tithe last year? What did you do? With, were you generous with your money to God? Did, did, are, look, look around. Are they generous? Do they, do, do they hold on to money like, it, like it's, it's like something they can never let go? Or, or are, they, are they generous? Do they use their money to bless and serve other people? If they do, if there's that spirit of generosity, that's really good. So why is it important to marry someone who, who, who has ge- generosity in their hearts? I'm telling you, it is very important. Look at Pro- Proverbs 11.25. It says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes other will be refreshed. So if you want your family to prosper, then marry a generous person. If you, if you want to be prospering, because you're, you're linking, the two will become one, then marry a person who's generous and it flows from them. And I know there are giftings that some are more generous than others, but there needs to be a spirit of generosity from that individual. If they're stingy, do not marry a stingy person. And if you are stingy, get more, be more generous. Just make that decision. And the last one is this, which is a sign of emotional stability, is the individual needs to be honest and truthful. Listen, if they will lie to you when you're dating, they will really lie to you when you're married. If they lie to you when you're engaged, they will lie to you when you are married. Do not enter into a relationship Moms and dads, do not let your, your, your kids enter into a relationship that you see that the individual is not honest and not truthful. Don't do it. You can talk to them about it. You can, you can help them. And you, listen, resist if this person you know is, is not honest and is not truthful. It's a big deal. Or the person exaggerates all the time or, 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 and, and, or never, never takes blame for anything and always deflects blame to everything and everybody else instead of saying, actually, my bad. For the people I, I work for, I look for humility that when something goes wrong, I admire the people who say, ooh, I blew, that was me, I blew that. Because I can trust people who admit they do wrong. I can't trust people that, that give me a big story about how it actually wasn't really their fault. But I can trust people who are like, my bad, I blew that. If you want your children to be blessed, then marry someone who's honest and truthful. When you, and you know what this is called? It's called integrity. When you find someone with integrity, the Bible says it's going to bring blessing to not only you, but to your marriage, to your kids. Even after you die, generations will have God's blessing because you made a decision about who, who you were going to marry that wasn't based just off an emotion. Here's a takeaway for us today. If you're, if you're not married, it's time we evaluate You ask the Lord to help you in areas that you realize, you know what, I'm not emotionally stable. And and let me just be honest with you, marriage will not fix you. 
Everyone thinks marriage will fix me. Marriage will not fix you. Jesus will fix you. Lean into Jesus. Be healed. Also, the other takeaway is if you're dating people or if you're preparing to date or if you're preparing to be engaged, evaluate the individual from the Word of God. Not just from your emotions. I mean, emotions are very important, but do they fit God's criteria for who he has for me to marry? And if they have some of these red flags, then just hit pause. If you're married and you see some of these areas in your life that you realize, I used to have that. I used to be more kind. I used to be more generous. Uh, You know what? I didn't realize how angry I've become over the last several years. And this is really affecting my family. Here's the deal. We then take a step forward and ask the Lord to help us. Because we want to thrive in our relationships. We just don't want to survive. God has given us instructions, but here's the reality. You can't apply them without his grace and him helping you and strengthening you through the process. So let me pray for us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.